Hey everyone, welcome to another episode of Drop the Mic. I am Darren Jenkins, your host. And joining me on the show today is a man who I just getting to know and I've learned so much over a short span of time and getting to, we're going to learn some more. Um, Singus Dervis, actor, writer, producer. You do a lot. I was going to, I was, I, was like, <laughs> I was like, man, I can't, I can't fit this all in one title. Um, actor, writer, producer, director, and martial artist. Um, thank you for being on the show today. It's really nice having you here. Pleasure to be here, my man. Um, let's just jump right on in. I, I'm actually curious. Um, you, I was reading, uh, I was reading something that was sent over to me and uh, it said that you started martial arts as early as five years old. Is that correct? Yeah, it is correct. My, um, my uncle is a, a man known as professor grandmaster Shen of um, a style that he, he um, designed, uh, founded called Shen Chido. And he was, a, a, a it was, it's basically based on Korean martial arts. So he, was a master in Taekwondo, Hapkido Kuksuon. He also did judo and gymnastics. And he combined three arts, um, pretty much, or influenced by three arts to make Shinchino. So I started training at the age of five with him. And it was funny because, well, not funny, it was the only thing that didn't cost money because he was my dad's <laughs> brother. And it was somewhere to, to go, you know, a couple of times a week and it gave you community and it, it gave you, you know, skills and, you know, it was a good, it was a good, um, it was a good place to be. Uh, I, I actually, bizarrely, when I was a kid, I didn't walk for the properly for the first two to three years. So I had motor skill issues and it was martial arts that actually got me, um, got my body working as it should be and beyond. Wow. It's funny because, um, you know, martial arts, uh, you know, in the general terms of it, a lot of people misunderstand what it's about and um it is about so much more than just fighting right it's it's about healing the, the mind and the body and protection and spiritualization and all these different things and i think you know when you talk to people who um who've been in the arts for a long time it's never about they never i don't think i've ever heard anyone say to me well i got into it because i wanted to beat dudes up or i wanted to be the greatest fighter ever it was always something else it was always something a little bit more personal to them and um absolutely it, it was funny because when i i didn't well first i didn't know he was your uncle that's amazing um second um i actually I, so when i was in i might have been uh I think about it might have been eighth grade, seventh, eighth grade. Um, I was living in DC with my mom and DC was not the safest place in the world back when I was there. And so in order to keep me safe and I also, because I had no friends and like I, where we lived, there were no kids my age. So she, she was working at this um, preschool and the owner of the preschool, her son was a, this guy from the Marines. And she asked him if he would train me in martial arts to get to help so I could protect myself and um, give me something to do after school in the afternoons. And so uh, every day, day after school i would go to this go to her preschool in a basement he would come down and train me and train me in uh taekwondo and um it was one of the hardest <laughs> summers <laughs> i have ever had like this it was just brutal and but but what i will say about it is is that i learned a lot about myself and I, I really grew to have, like, I already had an appreciation for martial arts. I think a lot of people get it from the from movies. Um, and I got it from Bruce Lee, obviously, because I, I grew up with an era of Bruce Lee. And um, But after taking it, it just was like, you, you know, one thing he drilled into me was like, this is not something, I'm not teaching you to fight. I'm teaching you to live. I'm not teaching you to fight. 
which you're going to learn can protect you, but I'm teaching you how to come up with alternatives to those to fighting. And I was, and then, you know, as a young kid, you don't understand what that means until you get into a situation and you're like, yeah, yeah, okay, yeah, I get it. You can't just go around beating up people. So, um, <laughs> uh, so as you're, so you're learning martial arts and, um, when, was, did, when did you was, get in the acting then? So I, um, I started uh, my first, I got a Saturday job when I was 13 and um, all I really wanted to do was to own a camcorder so we can make films. So I, I saved for two years and I bought a secondhand camcorder and me and a bunch of friends, we just made really silly short films, you know? <laughs> um, and uh, But it's really interesting because at the time it was just like, coming up with activity and just, you know, make, making yourself the hero and of your stories, but they were bad and they were funny. And we laughed a lot, cried a lot, but um, we had no ambition to be filmmakers. It was just, we want, you know, wanted to make films and, and, and we didn't need to ask permission. We just needed a camera and, you know, and hours and hours and hours to edit these things. Yeah. Mm. So that's kind of how, how it initially started. And then that was like a couple of years of messing around. And then I kind of, um, I kind of left the kind of the thought of the thought of being an actor alone and stuff for quite a while. It wasn't until I was about to about almost 10 years later, I, I started um, auditioning for like student films and stuff. And then I, I did over 40 student films. Mm. That was kind of my process and learning curve into it. And then I, you know, I trained as an actor. I, I trained in, I went to, um, evening kind of drama school but like three nights a week and then I started to find coaches and courses and workshops and I trained in London I trained in New York I trained in LA I trained I did some a little bit in Paris but and I still have a coach now so mm. it's been a lifelong kind of journey but the, the it was the martial arts that um a kept me off the streets a kept me gave me focus gave me um my uncle was very 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 philosophical so like coming back to your thing earlier about it's not about the fighting you know one of the things he told me you know m many many um uh kind of philosophical stories to put things into perspective but one of the things he told me once was um an artist paints a picture paints pictures his whole life and one day he has to use the paintbrush to unblock the sink and it becomes a plunger mm. and that's martial art that's in, that's deep okay that's yeah no, um, and yeah, so uh, it, um, so that's kind of where it, it came. So the focus, you know, was I was always interested in, in film and TV and stage. Just didn't know how to get into it. We were pretty poor as kids, mm. uh, and uh, there wasn't really, you know, there wasn't really drama clubs and stuff like that accessible. Anything that was available cost, and there was no money, you know, no money for those sorts of things. And then just drama school and stuff just felt way like way out of reach right so i um interesting i you know i kind of took the, the the martial arts took me into kind of like competing and then the competing uh as an amateur in amateur competitions and um i moved you know through that over a, a probably a 20-year period and then i um within that time i started to train actors for their roles mm. Initially, just like, you know, guys who wanted to move well because they had like an independent film. And then it just led to bigger names. You know, all of a sudden I found myself being called by production companies like Working Title to meet with Rowan Atkinson and Natalie Imbruglia and to do the Johnny English movies and to, you know, and spending 16 weeks with, you know, getting somebody like um, Matthew McFadden ready for The Musketeers and um, what else we do, Ripper Street and, you know, Matthew's actually... Is, a, is somebody I, I class as a friend, but you know we met through work, and I prepared him physically, taught him how to box, how to use swords, how, you know. So it was um, I got to use my skills behind the camera to prepare the actor. That then gave me the opportunity to get in front of the camera. Right. And you know. Wow. I mean, it was. Are are there are there things that you learned as a martial artist that you kind of and besides the obvious, right? That you um, that you kind of carry with you when you go into an audition or each a role uh, that because I feel like there's probably something there that that kind of can help with 
you know, you know, as an actor, nerves and um, you know, just that from the mental part of trying to be in uh, an audition. Absolutely. I mean, the conversation that we have in our head makes or breaks you, you know. Right. And the choices, obviously, that we make on a daily, weekly basis, you know, the, throughout the day, we're making choices all the time. You know, make make us as the, the things we don't do and the things that we do do that have a, a positive or negative impact on our lives. But with the auditions, I get nerves like everybody else, um, you know, and I, but I, I communicate to myself. Um, so first and foremost, preparation. I mean, I think when you're prepared, you put the work in, you prepare for the audition, um, that gives you a level of freedom. Right. You know, you're not worried about, you know, it's never about the lines. It's always about, you know, the life that you're living in that moment. And, you know, and, and then in that five minutes, whatever you get in that room or now on take, that job is yours for those five minutes. You know? <laughs> um, but one, a little trick I use that, I, that works in many situations is, to tell yourself that you're excited. Mm. So I would get to, you know, get to the audition. I would always, you know, have a little walk, um, depending on how I was getting to, you know, to where I was auditioning. I always have a, like a little five minute walk before I would go into uh, the casting office. And in that time, I would just uh, prep myself internally. And I would just tell myself over and over again, I'm excited, I'm excited, I'm excited. Mm. Because that was, that was, um, I used to, you know, years ago when I was competing, I used to use EFT, emotional freedom technique, which is like a tapping and positive communication to the self. Hmm. I would tell myself things like, you know, even, you know, even though people have come here tonight to see me lose, right. I truly love and respect myself. And no matter what, I'll leave it all in the ring. Hmm. And, um, so I would reinforce, you know, my intention for the evening. And it was never, I would never give my power away. And the same with the auditions. I just prepare myself. I'm excited about it. I've done the work. I've prepared myself. I never make excuses, even if I've got the sides the night before. I just do what I can with it. Sometimes, you know, not much sleep, just because if it's like 10 or 12 pages, then when you're in the room the next day, which is crazy sometimes. But hey, that's this business that we're in. Um, I would just prepare myself and then just tell myself that I'm excited and I would just do the best do my do the best I possibly can and you know if people go with me that's great if not I mean I'm just there to add value you know so right um but what I don't you know I think what, what I don't try to do or don't do is like I don't um I don't let myself down you know I don't not do the work and expect a return on an investment I haven't made right I do the work I put the time in I go in there I just I believe in myself and if I am the guy, then great. And if not, I don't take it personally, you know? Right, right. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, because, I mean, that's that's the thing about uh, being an actor um, is that, you know, when you go in there, you, you, you're going in there by yourself, you know? So it's kind of like it's kind of like tennis in a lot of ways where there's only one person on that court that you can blame, and that's you. So if you... If, you know, if you've done all the work, you've practiced hard, if you've put, you know, all the effort in on the court, then that's all, that's all you do, right? That's, you know, you just have to, I mean, don't let, like you said, don't let yourself down by undercutting, you know, what you could have done, put it all out there. And then, you know, if you, if you get it, you get it. If you don't, then you, you, it's good. I tried hard. I did what I was supposed to do and trying to, you know, next, ne That's next. When you control that inner critic, you know, because right. that, negativity, that negative voice that pops up inside can, you know, you could have done all the preparation, all the work, like when you used to compete, you do all the training and, that, and you see people in the changing room lose the fight before they get in the ring. You see the people uh, in the casting office lose the audition before they get, you know, I always put headphones in if I'm going into a busy castle, I'm not, I'm not listening to anything. I do it Absolutely. to stop people. They, people think that you're listening to stuff and they just stay out of your space. Um, and it's because in that time, I'm kind of what I call half blown up and I'm just waiting to go and, you know, I guess perform to, you know, to have my moment. And you see people having, you know, kind of interrupting your space or having kind of unnecessary conversations in the time when it's about focus. Right. So yeah. sometimes, yeah, most of the time I have headphones and it's like, it's basically like a deterrent, like, don't talk to me. And then afterwards I might be outside, I'm, you know, I've never um, sabotaged somebody's audition. Right, right. 
Right. But you do see it. You know, people come out of the audition, they start talking to people in the room. It's so weird. It's like, okay, so you've done your bit. Now, please leave. That's a great, that's a great idea. I never even thought about that because that was kind of one of my pet peeves too. Like being in, like being in the hallway, sitting there waiting for your audition. Meanwhile, all these people are milling around doing this and kind of being a little bit distracting um, when I'm trying to kind of mentally maintain i guess if that's a good word but that's a good idea i i gotta borrow that one because i didn't even occur to me to just put some headphones in or put some pl- earplugs in and you know and just shut yeah, I, I, I just think it's your like something as well like you know you go into the room and sometimes they want to they want to have a chat they don't want you to go straight into the, the read they want to have a chat and they you know they get talking about something or somebody you know i remember going for something and They'd see me in a film, and they're like, "Oh, you know, hey, no, thanks for coming in. So I loved you in this film." Da, 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 da. And you know, that can that can actually sabotage you as well. It can take you out of all that work you've done. So one thing that I another thing that I always have in my back pocket is that it's like almost like, okay, let's go into the read, and then there's that there's no kind of break. So I'm all I always take a moment. I I'll either ask for the moment, or I'll just if I have a jacket on or something, I'll just take myself up. I'll run through my kind of prep and I'll take my jacket, put it over and then come back. But as I come back, I've come back as the character. Gotcha. Gotcha. Now it's, you know, now I've, I've gone through my, my prep. I've got my prep line and I know where I am and I've got my energy and okay, let's, let's do this. Wow. That's, that's fat. That's a good idea. Like to literally just kind of take a moment before you step in that door, you know, and kind of, to yeah because i yeah i've i've seen that happen too where you 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 know you've gone from this hallway to into this room to do your audition but there's no because of, you know of all the chaos around you or whatever else is going on you you it's almost like, it's almost impossible to be asked to turn that off turn this on you know what i mean so you kind of need that you know 20 second you know yeah uh, let it go all right let's get back let's get into this character you know you got to transform you know so yeah and through experience i you know i had a few auditions i'm like okay do you know what that's never going to happen again because i didn't feel like i had the power in the room i felt like i was just you know (sighs) okay now start banging the, the drum because you know you should just switch it on and out so i just thought i need to find a way to reconnect with my preparation that's a brilliant idea that's brilliant. you know and i just and i just in that moment i i just take control of the room and i don't know if they like it or not i just you know i need to find my center and then okay let's do the work now you know um i, I was always curious you know um i've interviewed a few different um actors who also have martial art background right and um i was curious like as an actor do you find that when people know that you're a martial artist that they kind of peg you toward a specific type of role and if if so is that something that you're okay with or has it not happened to you yet um Oh no! It sounds, that was the the uh, early stages of my career. Mm. Um, I was only getting seen for kind of like stunt roles or kind of uh, glorified extra roles with a bit of action, right? Um, and so not really being taken seriously as an actor or getting seen for any kind of like key supporting or leading. It was always kind of like uh, what, what on TV would be equivalent of a kind of co-star, right? glorified extra role you know maybe one one line two lines and, and the fight and you know you get beaten up the act the, the, the hero moves on right. um never seen for the kind of more meteor kind of no action just sometimes just pure you know you need somebody to carry carry a character and carry a film and so i um you know i that had an impact on my kind of like how i would kind of package myself because I realized I was actually supporting that and therefore I was just saying to casting uh, you know I'm just the kind of action guy and so mm-hmm. that 
that meant just like the how I cut my show reels and the kind of work I did. And a big reason why I started creating my own content because mm. in the early stage, I wasn't really getting seen for anything that um, outside of like these kind of action glorified extra roles. And I was like, how am I going to have a career if this is all I'm getting seen, seen for? So uh, that was why I started to, you know, produce my own short films. Mm-hmm. Um, just an interesting, like my first short film uh, that I'd spent quite a long time working on, uh, and then I it did a short festival run. It opened quite a few doors. I had a phone call from a director um, who was in hospital and was looking to, it's called Drake, and they were looking to listen to some Drake music on YouTube. And they, my for some reason, my short film came up, Drake, and um, and which is a supernatural thriller, and they'd had back surgery, and they called me to say, "Hey, I, um, you know, stumbled across your work. Could you come in and see us on Tuesday? We should, we've got this project that we're working on, and we think you'd be a really good fit for one of these roles." The second thing it did was it, um, it it got nominated at a couple of American festivals, and so I came out to uh, LA. This is 2013, mm-hmm. and whilst I was at one of the one of the festivals there, the Action on Film Festival. For a week, I was going to workshops and kind of stuff during the week. The film won Best Foreign Short, which was amazing. Wow. On the back of that as well, as I was um, meeting people during the week, and then I met one director in particular twice in the week, and then that evening at this huge ballroom with like, I don't know, 400 people and black tie, I'm sat at this table, I'm there on my own, and I'm at the table with this guy and his wife, you know, and... Mm -hmm. um, after the uh, the during the evening, he said, "Look, we're um, we're actually shooting a movie in two months in New York. Uh, how long are you around for?" And I was like, "Around for another three days." He said, "Would you would you be up for reading for us?" Hmm. So the next the two days after that, I went and read for them. And about a week later, I received an offer. And a month a month and a half later, I found myself in New York shooting uh, on a feature as one of the leads. <laughs> so it's amazing how your you know, you, you're creating content creates traction and opportunities, you know? Right, right, right. That's, that is so important. I, I I wholeheartedly agree. Um, when I, when I, I got into film behind the camera for the specific same reason where I was going into all these auditions and, they were love. Oh, we love you. We love your. We love you. We love. We think you're bad. great. But then it would be like some small physical thing that they would pick on. Now, well, we need everybody to be six under six feet, or we need everyone who's like a little lighter skin. I'm like, what? So I ended yeah. up. I was like, I'll just make my own stuff. I'm th- I'm good. I'll just make my own good stuff. And I I, I think that's brilliant. Like more actors should do that they should absolutely do that if not if, if for no other reason to fill out their um reel you know to of, of things to kind of show their diversity you know their, their 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 talent doing other things that maybe they not, most people don't necessarily see them as doing so yeah we're in, we're in a time now where you know it's it's so much easier to make content you know if you've got a an iMac, it comes with iMovie, and you've right. got an iPhone, and you can shoot and cut a film. I mean, yep. I know it's basic, but you can shoot and put it out on, you know, the, the internet. There's no, we have no excuses. Nope. Um, to not to make stuff, and you don't have to be a writer. There is like, I said to somebody the other day, like they, I said, look, you, you want to make something, but you're not a writer. Don't worry about writing it. There are so many festivals who have writing competitions. Right. Reach out to the festival, tell them what you're looking for, and they probably shower you with scripts mm. to look at. And you can find your script. You can find your writer. And, you know, you can reach out within your community and you can find your DP and you can find your, you know, you can find your people to pull together. Fundamentally, we're all trying to stay working. Yeah, yeah. That's that's a, actually that's a good idea. I've never even. I was talking to a friend of mine who's actually looking for like some scripts to potentially do, and I, we were trying to brainstorm on some ways for him to locate some new 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 material. That is something I hadn't even occurred to me. That's a great that's a great idea. Yeah, because I, I, you know I write, so I've got I've got a lot of content at the moment. I also co-write with other writers. So we've got a slate of films. We've got two TV show ideas at the moment that we've been working on. So there's been a lot of time spent on our kind of our content. But if I didn't have that ability, 
you know, and having done a lot of festivals over the last decade, I would go to festivals because there are some amazing scripts that need to be made. Mm. Um, and they've won awards and stuff and they're just sitting there. And, you know, I, I've no doubt the writer would love to get it made. And there you go. Mm. Well, so, I mean, if you're, so you, you, you're, you're doing all this short content and um, what, are, what are some of the things that, um, in in produce so you were producing. Were you directing the, these shorts or just producing, writing? So mainly writing, producing, and acting in them. Okay. And then I then I directed one, and then I before I moved on to my first feature film. Um, but and I was self funding as well. Like my first, uh, so I did five shorts, and my first three short films I self funded. My first short film, I, I paid for on a credit card and spent a year to pay it off, you know. Wow. But I'm all, I'm all in. So that's when people give me excuses. I'm like, you know, I, my first short film cost me £5,000. I mm. paid for it really on a credit card and I set up a, a monthly payment to pay it back. And I mm. paid it off in a year. Um, that was Drake. And that opened the doors for me to actually do, you know, to, you know, to work in America, to, you know, to meet new casting directors. It got me an agent. Um, the second short film was £7,000. That was London Hood. Again, I did it on a credit card and I paid it off over a year. I broke that up over 12, 12 payments. You know, it, no excuses. Wow. You're like, you took that, that page out of, the, of a Spike Lee book and said, yeah, this works for me. Just let's, there's no excuse. You're right. There's absolutely no excuses. If you want to make film today, there's i was telling somebody um a couple days ago we were talking we were actually talking about you know she wants to be a filmmaker and she'd been talking telling me this for a couple years and i said to her i was like so what are you waiting for well i'm waiting for you know i gotta get the idea i'm like no 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 i said in the time that you've told me that you were going to you had this idea for a film you could have made the film a couple times already. Yeah, just and, stop. You know, you just do it. Just go ahead and do it. Why would, you know, just? She's like, well, I don't, I don't know what I'm supposed to do. How to fund it? I was like, just, just find people that you that are as passionate about what you're doing as as you are, and together you guys can write the script because you're all have that energy in you, and. You, you won't worry about technology, camera, you can use your cell phone, you can use uh, a GoPro, you can use, I mean, they're all under $200, $300. I mean, there's no excuse. There's not really an excuse anymore. Um, and I've seen some fantastic stuff on iPhone, like amazing stuff, where I'm yeah. just like, whoa. And YouTube is basically the how-to channel, yeah. right? I mean, YouTube platform is basically how-to. Yep. And so you can teach yourself so much from just, you know, watching YouTube content. Yeah. And there, there's a – so I a friend of mine was looking for some ideas for um, – a like he's trying to – he's a writer. He's, he's like, I, I, I'm kind of – my brain's kind of stuck. I said, pick this book up. This book called Create a Story, each page has basically forces you to write, like gives you a scenario and you just write about it. And some of these are, I'm like, wow, you could make a movie out of all each one of these pieces. So he got it and he's, he, he's like, this is great. I see it's like some of the stories are simple. I say, yeah, but it's a starting point, right? It's simple because you haven't gotten involved. Once you 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 can take that and transform it. You just needed, you know, a spark plug. You just need the, the spark. So yeah. um, um, I, I I love that you're all about just doing it. That I think. Well, well I I started out on the normal uh, kind of um, journey that probably most actors do, trying to get an agent, trying to get a manager, trying to get seen for stuff. You know, mm -hmm. trying to be you know trying to get booked on other people's and i just i just realized like years were passing and i wasn't working i was in class you know i was working on my craft but i just wasn't getting seen for anything and i was just, i kind of just stopped myself one day and just went 
because I was I had stuff I was working on on the side. I I was writing a graphic novel at the time, and I had, I was working on a couple of short films that I was write, writing, but just getting content down, but with no real idea of what I was going to do with it at the time. And I just thought, you know what? If I don't start creating my doors myself, uh, you know, it's never going to happen. You know, and I'm never going to get. I'm never going to work on the type of things I want to work on. Right. And, um, and no one cares about your physical, believe me, you have to get over yourself pretty quickly. No one cares about your, I'll tell you a, a story. So I, I do something called the Dimac, which is like, an, I break a coconut with a with, a, with this. So my two hands are different. Right. This hand is, a, I trained it in the iron palm, the Dimac. When I became a master in my family style, that's one of the things we have to do. It's a very, it's a very um, technical, long process um, that takes a lot of discipline and focus and, um, you know, I, I know the cost to have achieved it. But I was out in the States um, a couple of years ago, and I had an audition. And when I got to the audition, there was a coconut on the table. And when I walked in, the casting director said uh, there was about four four people, two producers, I think a reader and a cast member at the time, yeah, four or five people in the room. He just said, hey, um, oh, here's the guy. And I, he said, can you do me a favor? Can you break this for us? And I said, uh, is that part of the audition? And they said, no, I just want to see the if you can break it for real, because, um, you know, I, I watched like on, um, I watched you on YouTube and I don't basically, he was, he was questioning whether or not it's mm. true. It's for real. Wow. I said, I can break it. I said, but it's going to make a mess on your floor. He said, I don't, he said, I don't care. So anyway, I took the coconut. It was very, it was kind of strange scenario. You know, I took the coconut and I just, you know, I hit it once I made sure I hit it full, full chi, full power, broke it. Right. And, in that moment, it made me realize that nobody cares. It was like, okay, 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 you can. Let's move on to the next thing. No one cares, you know. And you, you know that, you know, you know the prices you've paid, the cost you've paid, the sweat, the tears, the, you know, the focus, the the, the graft, you know, no, you just, you know, and you have to realize that you can't worry about having the impact on other people. At, at certain stages in your career, because until it seems that you're famous, right. um, I'm the same guy, but nothing you do is that impressive. Nothing you do is out of the ordinary. And I've seen it on YouTube anyway. So, you know, it's not new. It's not real. It's not fresh, but I just wanted to check that you could do it for real. I'm fine. Okay. Let's get onto your audition. I mean, it was, uh, wow. so I got over myself a long time ago and mm. no one cares about my titles. No one cares about my, you know, I care. And right. I, I'm proud of myself and I'm, and I'm honest with myself and honesty is a very important thing. I think in life in general anyway, yep. but um, yeah, it's just that, you know, you, you have to find a way to bring out the belief in yourself to, to basically get the career that you want and you see mm. and that means you've got to make the content and you've got to, you know, you've got to be putting yourself out there in front and you've got to take the risks. And then for me, that's my journey. It's like, I, I don't know any other way. Mm. I I absolutely agree to you. Uh, I, I you you know um, time is some you know what's that saying? Time is undefeated. It's undefeated. It's never been beaten. And but but you you can make the most of time. You know. Okay. You know what I mean. So uh, and that's the thing is why it's so precious because. I'm, a, I'm, I'm always talking to people about time, energy, and money in that order. Right. Time being the priority, the most important thing that we have. Energy, like where you're spending your time, where you're spending your energy, and where you're spending your money. Right. Like three really important, you know, but in that order. And time is precious because we're not getting any more time. Right. It's slipping away. And then, you know, you, you we don't have time to wait around for somebody to come and give you the, 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 the perfect scenario. Yeah, the perfect scenario. We just, you know, we have to just take it by the horns and go, right. Someone asked me a question the other day. They said to me, what's the difference? What makes a fighter different to most people? Right. And I said, I'll tell you what. And it was funny because it was a really bad day of weather. It was pouring with rain. It was windy. I said, if I need to get somewhere, I will just walk. And I know I'm going to get wet. Mm -hmm. And that's the difference. Hmm. Because 
the fighter will just walk and he just accepts that he's going to do it. Whereas most people will just stop and think, oh, it's a bit wet, it's a bit cold, I'm not sure I want to, you know. The fighter just knows he has to get to that and he just goes. And it's the same with this business. For me, I think the, where, the sim, where I, it's transferable is the fact that I know where I want to get to, I just walk. Yeah. And I'm making mistakes along the way. Of course, I am. I'm, I've lost money, and all the, but I don't. I, it, all of it is part of the journey and part of the growth. And it's you know, but as long as you do it with in, integrity and honesty, and you know, and you're not trying to step on anybody to get there and stuff. You know, you build those relationships that actually, you know, people think good of you. They think highly of you, and and the types of people that you 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 meet along the way that are like-minded. You know, you grow together. Absolutely, I. I am um, I'm a big believer in paying it forward. I'm a big believer in um, the kind of energy that you give off. You get you return. You get in return. And so, you know, my ever. I think you know. I don't. I'm not trying to be who I am. I'm just being who I am, and. And I'm allowing people to understand me as an honest individual. So that way, when I go and I call someone on the phone and ask them, hey, you mean this? No one goes, oh, I don't know. They're like, oh, sure, Darren. Because I they, I, I don't allow um, myself to present to them this false individual. And when people know that you're just you're you're in it just to help others and you're in it to just you know this is Darren this is just who he is this is you know there are no hidden tricks or trapdoors people will receive you a lot easier and and you're open to opportunities like you said that you would have never gotten had you been closed yeah and you know, and that's a realization. A lot of people, I, I feel like COVID um, has helped a lot about, I think with me, it helped me to kind of step back a little bit and kind of re-examine a few things to, to, you know, and how I was approaching like creating of content. Like my, I have a, uh, another, I have, I have a, I have several podcasts. I have one of my other podcast hosts. Um, we were on the call last week and he gets on the call and he goes, um, so you can't do any more podcasts, Darren. I'm like, why? He's like, because you're doing so many and you know, I feel like it might take some of your other time. I said, is any of it falling off? He said, no. He said, I said, so you, you can't, you, I guess you just can't understand my passion. There's no, like, I don't want to wait around for the perfect moment to do a new show or a new episode or a new concept. I just want to do it because I love, I love talking to people. I love getting to know them. I love sharing their stories. I love giving people positive um, content. I love doing that. And I'm not going to let, you know... The little th- I, I I don't have a lot of time left on this earth. I'm like 54 years old. I want to do it now. I just want to do it now. And the way the reason why you know that's important is because my parents didn't last. They they didn't live like into their 70s and 80s. They, so the time is not guaranteed to any of us. And yeah. I don't want to go tomorrow and realize oh I should have did that. I I just don't like that feeling. You know what I mean? I, I think it's a, it's a really, that's the ultimate negative feeling that I just don't have time for anymore. We don't want to live with regret, right? Right, right. Um, and the only way you know is if you give it a go. Only you know, way you know is that should be a t-shirt. <laughs> to give it a go, and, and it's, you know, and it's the again, it's that. There's, I think. Um, it's important to, I think, to be clear about your goals and your dreams. And but sometimes when you express it to other people, you don't always get the response that you want. You know, I've many times through my life have people step on your dreams. You know, right. give you all the reasons why it can't work. Give all the reasons why you're not going to be able to, right. you know, to make a living or pay your bills or whatever it is. And um, thankfully, it fuels me. It, right. 
drives me. But I also see that, you know, for lots of people out there, it, you know, it actually makes them hesitate. Right. It makes them rethink. And sometimes it makes them take a path that, you know, we might call safe or comfort zone or whatever. But right. I just think that, you know, we have one life. Who knows what comes next? And mm. all we have is today. Right. And right. so we must live for today, right? And if, if you have an idea that, if you feel like you want to write something, write something. If you feel like you want to act, if you feel like you want to start a new business, start a new business. I mean, there's, there's, there's only you. And guess what? You're not going to be an expert in it from day one, but you'll learn yeah. along the way. You'll learn. Yeah. yeah, that's what mistakes are for, right? I mean, that's what they're for. I mean, yeah. they're, they're for learning from. Like, if you don't learn from your mistakes, you know, that's a mistake. So, um, <laughs> exactly. you know, so, uh, who are some of the positive role models that you look towards in your industry or in your life or in, you know, what, who are, or what were some of the influences um, from a, a creative side of things? So it's funny because I just did a, I was just interviewed for um, a kind of online magazine. They asked that question. It's, oh. it, I hadn't been asked that um, in a long time. And it's just, uh, it's funny, you know, when I'm really honest about what, you know, who inspires me, who influences, I think, well, as a kid, we were, things were pretty tough, but we had a loving home and stuff, but we just, there wasn't, you know, we didn't have the kind of nice things, the toys, the money, because, you know, my parents were, were finding it hard to make ends meet and they were, you know, they were kind of in very low paid sort of jobs or no jobs. And so I, I went into my head. I was very internal as a kid. I kind of would like get little things like stones and, you know, kind of old coins or whatever. And I would like make stories with them and stuff. And so in my imaginary world, I, you know, I was, I could be and do anything. And that's where I think I, I started to explore imagination. Mm. Um, quite, you know, my mum would call me the professor because I was always thinking. But I was there, you know, and I would always elaborate on stuff, and so in my mind. So I think that was the, the first thing. And then my mum used to like watching kind of musicals, and my dad was really into kind of like um, kind of kind of pirate movies. And so you know, he introduced me to some older actors like Kirk Douglas and Errol Flynn and Tony Curtis, and like Burt Lancaster, and these guys, um, Sidney Poitier, and yep. like amazing talent, you know. Yeah. And I just, I watched the way they worked and I watched the way they delivered and how they, and they were very physical people. They were, you know, they did everything. So I think that's kind of where the influence is. But where I'm kind of like blown away, so my dad died two years ago, unfortunately. Um, he um, had MS and it was quite aggressive. Mm. And um, my dad was disabled from a young age, um, fled the civil war in Cyprus and, um, uh, had injuries to his legs and uh, so he was always disabled but he um the last few years he had carers coming four times a day uh every day mm -hmm. get him out of bed you know get him ready and then put him to bed in the evening and um it, i just watched him de deteriorate but i was i just watched these people who who do this job they care nurses carers and they're so i mean they're they just blow me away that the fact that they do what they do with just, it's not well paid and it's, they do it so professionally and with such kindness. Yep. Um, the, uh, I, they blow me away more than any celebrity, more than any, you know, famous person. The fact that day in, day out. And it's funny. I, when I go and see my mum, I see these carers still, they go from different houses in the area laughing i see them in the car laughing i see them going into the houses and stuff and i'm i'm just in awe right like every day they go out and they they m make a little bit of comfort and a little bit of happiness to the people that they go to you know who are you know who are not getting better yeah yeah so yeah so within that i hope i've answered the question <laughs> no that's a that's that's a perfect i mean i don't you know i think covid kind of hopefully highlighted some of those people, you know, cause uh, I've known a couple people who actually do that as, as a job and I've seen what they do and I see the difference they make. And 
they don't get that you know they don't get celebrated enough they don't because yeah. um, that is a it is a very hard job like immensely hard job not and when we're not even talking about the amount of scale of work or hours but we're just talking about the emotional um investment in each case yeah. is that's a tough job man and i completely understand stand that um and I too grew up in an era where so my my acting heroes were like Jerry Lewis and Tony Curtis, and Jack Lemon, and actually um I was just reading this article about um Dick Van Dyke and he's like ninety-five and he's wow. still trying to get on stage and <laughs> I just that blows me away, man. I'm just like, I think that's so amazing, you know. Those they were just there was just something about how you know how their presence on the screen, their their attention to detail, the 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 types of work they were doing. Like it was it was a much more physical um and you had to be very skillful, like adept to do some of these roles. Like I was watching um a commercial and they would it was like a they kind of did like this scene where they played uh, i think it was julie andrews i think I believe, I believe and she's dancing and she's doing like this move and i'm just like she just did that down a pair of steps i'm like are you kidding me yeah like that is i mean the level of skill that some of those moves take um, and this yeah. is why when La La Land came out, which I really enjoyed, mm. it wasn't a scratch on like Fred Astaire or Gene Kelly or right. Ginger Rogers. You know, I was right. like, I, I've seen stuff and which was very similar in the kind of colorless, color, you know, the colors they used and the kind of the songs and the dancing. But the the, the difference, the levels, the levels, was, you know, night and day. Like La La Land was good. It was not exceptional like these guys and girls. Yeah. Yeah, they. I mean, they were, they were doing, and they would, they were doing stuff that you were just like, and it just. I guess we took it for granted because it just looked so easy, you know, so effortlessly they they would do this, and you you was like, oh, I guess everybody can do this. Nope. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that didn't work out so well when you tried it yourself. So, um, what? Uh, so you you're actually are you working on your feature or is your feature finished when the mist clears? So my feature film we wrapped uh, last August in Italy, um, and then it went into post production editing, and then so we wrapped. So the complete film is finished uh, February of this year, and then it, it it's gone into a short festival run. So it's at consideration for about thirty festivals. Okay. Um, it's been selected. We're just getting selections as it goes along. It's been selected for you. It's just won some awards, which was great. Awesome. And then, um, and it's, I, I just uh, about two months or a month ago, I placed it with a sales agent who's now uh, taking it to the Cannes film market on the 21st of June. And it's got two screenings there to distributors. So hopefully, you know, we'll have some good news and it will be getting out and about. So that's kind of, I'm kind of done on that, which is good. <laughs> yeah, it's great to see what, what comes back on it. It'd be great. If, you know, get a return on the investment. It was funded by an angel investor, so that was kind of wonderful for the oh, first wow, time. Nice. Yeah, so that was, you know, we, I was taking it out and about, and um, we had a an interested party who um, was brilliant and, you know, supported the film, and um, we got it made. So that was, it was great. It was my debut as a director, mm. um, you know, and it's independent, you know, it's not a huge budget, so you... you but I'm very proud of it. I, every decision that was made, I thought it through and, you know, and the film is complete and it looks and sounds beautiful. So, mm. you know, it's not a bad, you know, first feature. What was, uh, uh, what was, what do you think was one thing that was surprising that you didn't expect um, to be, you know, during your first directing stint? Well, I didn't expect to be directing a feature film during a pandemic. <laughs> <laughs> Oh yeah, how did that, so? How did you pull that off? So we um, there was a window where things started to open up, and Italy opened up, and so I was in touch with the uh, the Vicenza Film Commission, the European Film Commission, trying to work out 
if we could legally travel to Italy, assemble our, because our crew was predominantly Italian, but we had actors come, would be coming from London and LA. Um, and if we could assemble, quarantine together, and then shoot the movie right. all within a five-week period. Oh, wow. Okay. So I was getting through all those hoops and then getting people um, uh, there for the right amount of time. And then we had to have COVID tests and then quarantine together. So there was all that to deal with, lots of um, legal stuff and then lots of checks. And then our leading man almost didn't get on the plane from LA because they wouldn't let him fly, mm. even though he had work papers and stuff. But eventually they did. So he, he did, he made it and then we were quarantined together so i didn't expect to be dealing with all that stuff and then i only had 15 days to shoot the film which is 143 minutes so long days 15 days 15 days to shoot yeah because we couldn't so we weren't allowed to shoot until the you know the quarantine period's over so we only had 15 days to shoot the film so I had all my shot this pre-done with the, with the DP. We were very organized, very prepped. And then I used the time that we were kind of hanging around to do some improv. So we were playing with scenes and mm. uh, getting comfortable with each other, etc. So when we got to shoot, it was like a world old machine, you know? That's good. Was uh, most of your production crew um, people that you'd worked with on some of your shorts before? No, so I um, it was actually my, my partner. She's... Um, She's from. She's an actress and a producer. She's from Moldova, but she moved to Italy when she was fourteen, and she was a model, and then was on a series regular on an Italian show, and so she had contacts in Italy. So she suggested some people there. I had some people from the UK, and then we were just basically uh, tendering for the work and seeing, you know, what 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 DP and their crew brought to the table, and the, the Italians were just so up for it. They were so clear on. They just got the vision, and they. Um, the the DP is also a director, so um, mm. and an edit, edit, editor. So I just knew that working with him, I, I could see that it would be easy. And also the fact he would edit the film was wonderful because he lived it with me. Gotcha. And that saves a lot of time and explanation, etc. So yeah, they were great. So our, our crew was all Italian. They were brilliant. They were fun. It was, you know, they were good people to be around. I'd love to work with them again at some point. I'm sure we will. Mm. Uh, and, the, and yeah, they did an amazing job. And funny enough, we just won Best Cinematography at um, Nova in, yeah. Oh, wow. Congratulations. So that was great. <laughs> yeah. That's a good start. That's a good, nice way to kick it off, huh? Yeah, exactly. So, um, yeah, it was a job done. It gives them a pat on the back. <laughs> wow. What would what would be one piece of advice you'd give to somebody who was about to start their first directing de um, debut? I think with everything, preparation. Mm. You know, I, I've I've sucked through so many independent film screenings where the director and the producers get up, and the first thing they talk about is that they didn't have much money. Right. And I watched the film. And I'm like, if they would have just spent time on the script. Right. Or they just spent time on their shot list, you know, they would have had a better film. It's not about the money. Yeah. It's about the time you, you, you spend in the preparation of the vision, you know, I, I believe. Right. And, um, and also just, you know, I think in that preparation as well, you know, just you have to, you have to stand your ground. I think, you know, everybody will have an opinion. But then it doesn't, it's not your vision anymore. If you just take everybody's opinion and make the changes and make the changes. So I'm, I was really clear that I'm going to make this film my way, right? my vision. And, and I can explain why I want to do certain things, but it's only once it, we're in the edit that they'll understand it. Right. But I also predominantly will be accountable and respons responsible for the outcome. Hey, I mean, that comes if you're, if you're like, you, it's kind of like you said, you got to be all in, right? It's so like, if you're direct me, you have to be all in, right? You have to be in for it and just say, this is what I'm, this is my vision. This is how I want to do it. And it's like a ship, right? You're the, you've got to be captain of the ship and you, yeah. you, you, you've got to leave. You've got to, right. You know, so and obviously, don't get me wrong. I'm not, it's not that I don't take advice. Like, if someone's got a good idea and it works better, then I'm like, oh, okay, right, actually, right, right, right. I mean, that's but, part of it too. So, yeah, but fundamentally, it's like you know, you. you it, but a lot of that comes from preparation because when you work through the scenes and you work through, you know, you 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 
you know, I see I see stuff in my I see images in my head. So when I'm working, when I'm writing, I also see it. So yeah. it's like it plays in my mind. Right. So I can kind of visually see it all and how it's going to work or how it's going to cut together. Yeah. Um, and it's hard to explain that to people. And then, you know, once we once we finished it and we cut it and stuff, uh, you know, the response was like, whoa, okay, wow, I didn't think it was going to pan out like that. And it does, it, I'm very proud of it. It looks, it looks amazing. And I'm really pleased that the, the investor, you know, was blown away, just couldn't believe we, we, we did what we did for what we had. 15 days, man. Like if you were just to say you put together a film at all, I'm like, that would impress me. I'm like, that's a really quick turnaround. Yeah. So you, you had to be really organized. Yeah, exactly. You, you don't have, you don't have time, the time to, to waste. You literally have to stick to the plan. And um, yeah, it was good. It was good having a good crew and a, a, an AD who cracked the whip. <laughs> it's funny. This is the third, podcast on a row that that i'm talking to somebody who was filming in italy during covid i'm like what is going did i miss the note someone should have told me that i was supposed to be in italy instead of here where nothing was happening um that's incredible man um when you're not working which doesn't seem to be that much time what do you, what's, what, how do you unwind? What do you like? What are some things that you're doing to kind of keep yourself sane or? So, I mean, obviously family is important to me. Um, you know, so I love to spend time with my, my family and, uh, you know, and make them have quality time. It's, you can work 24 seven. And when, you know, when you work for yourself, Sunday is, is the same as Monday, you know, you know, so it's that, you know, I could work seven days a week. So it's just clawing out time to make sure you have quality time, you know, with your, with your family. Mm. And then, um, you know, I, I don't, I used to write, I, knew, I used to write music as a hobby and I, I've actually released quite a bit of it on iTunes and Spotify and stuff. Yeah. I was going to ask you about that. Are you still like doing any music? Uh, t- tiny bits on the side, but just for fun. I still sing a bit, but just for fun, you know, on the side, I, I'd like to do, um, I was, I've got an idea for a musical short that I might do just for fun and also just to sort of demonstrate to casting that, hey, this guy can actually sing and dance as well. <laughs> be, that would be cool. Yeah. That would be actually really cool. You know, I used to, it used to irk me until, um, I guess, La La Land maybe, or maybe eh, maybe Chicago to some, some degree. I used to get so angry because I was like... <laughs> You remember like in the in the 60s in the 50s and 60s there used to be like these beautifully shot like musical films like you know it would be uh Dean Martin and Jerry Lewis and then they would have like in this in the couple of different big dance or music scenes in between I used to love those films I I, I don't know why they don't do more cuz I think they just so the, the, the Technicolor films as well right they used yeah. to Yeah beautiful lush yeah it was just so amazing and i'm like you know i mean i guess we've gotten a little bit more on track i mean i know um west side story is coming out soon um so there is a a cinematically there is a kind of choice with filmmaking where some stuff can be quite digital looking i don't like it it doesn't vibe with me Um, i like cinematic you know kind of warm lush image i don't like the kind of digital digital yeah 4k is i mean you know 8k 4k is kind of i mean there's it's kind of a plus minus like i think for certain genres of film i don't think it works very well i think it's too accurate i hate i don't know if that's a good way of saying it but um like the older um 35 millimeters and in, in, in cameras that we were using back in the, you know, seven, seven, even like where had the grittiness to the, to the, to the, to the actual um, picture that kind of added to like Chicago and New York and Detroit, just get, put you in that environment. I think sometimes like we, we've gotten too ahead of ourselves with some of the technology. So yeah, and then I, I mean, it's also how you light it and the lenses you use, right? But right, it, um, yeah, that, I know what you mean. Though it kind of almost feels like it could be documentary because it's yeah. so. Yeah, I don't, I don't, I just don't really chill. I just watched a 
the trailer for a film that's coming up the other day, and I won't name the name, but the, right. the fact that it looks so digital, it just put me off. Mm. What's a what if you had if someone came to you with an open wallet and said, you know, what's your dream project? Let's do it. What would you, what, what is there, is there something in your back pocket you've always wanted to do? Yeah. So I've got, um, I've got a, quite a few scripts uh, that I've been working on for quite some time. I've got one script in particular that's um, it's basically to summarize it. It's kind of the hunger games meets gladiator meets back to the future. Oh, interesting. Yeah, and I've got a I've got a computer game uh, idea for it, and it's a trilogy, and it's called Galahad, as in Sir Galahad, Knights of the Round Table. Oh. And I don't want to say any more than that, but I was, yeah, that, yeah. that's a film that um, it's a I think it's a brilliant script. It's had about seven years of mm-hmm. back and forth on it. We're about nineteen drafts. Mm. Um, uh, it, it would I would like to make it with a decent budget, and. Um, you know, it's funny because when I was initially writing it years ago, when I first got the idea and I was writing it, I was writing it with me in mind to play the lead. Right. And then as you grow through the process and you build, you create more and more stories and you go, actually, you know, I don't need to be in all these films. I could just yeah. direct or produce this or, you know. Right. So I've become less emotionally attached to my projects for, for it to always be me in it, you know. Um but yeah, I've, I've got uh, yeah something that would require you know it's one of those films that you could do it for you know how long's a piece of string you could have to decide on the budget for it it, it, could, it depends on the cast etc. I mean you could spend a hundred million on this thing or you could spend three million. Mm. Um, it does require a bit of VFX on it, so it'd be quite expensive to do because then there's time travel etc. But it's um, yeah, it's an interesting concept and I, I think something that you know at some point I, I'll. I'll I will, it will be in a position to pitch. Yeah, I was going to say, like, these days you, you, you probably will get a, an opportunity to pitch pretty soon, you know? So many, so much content is being created and Hollywood is so hungry for something new and different all the time, so. Yeah, I tell you what, though, I mean, I use the word content, but I've got to be honest with you. I don't like the word content mm. because I feel that the focus becomes, like, creating content that you know it's like creating i just didn't want to create this content to sell it as opposed to focusing on the story right and um and just wanting to tell you know just wanting to, to tell great stories um the focus becomes content driven because i want to flip this or sell this to you know right. to so i i i personally i focus on i mean i know what it's like you've got to have your business head and your artistic hat right so you right. you know when I, if I go into a meeting, I have my business hat on, even though I'm, I'm a pure creative, but I've learned over the years that I also need to be a businessman. Absolutely. And those people don't want to hear all the fluffy, you know, creative, artistic stuff. Even though they say they do, they don't. They want to, they want to see is a one-page summary of like, what How is it? Make us money. <laughs> <laughs> so, you know, you, got, you play the game, right? <laughs> yeah. Well, that's why I call it. We, so I run this organization for filmmakers, and but we call ourselves storytellers it's all about storytelling yes even and it doesn't even matter what position you are on the rung still call you a storyteller because essentially that you are a piece of that story being told and um i i i agree with you i think content is too uh, ip is too you know intellectual property based yeah <laughs> you know versus story which is could be a could be a, a an uh, an author trying to write a, a novel. It could be a filmmaker doing a documentary about his grandmother. It could be you know it, it's about the story of, of of the process, not the like how how many t-shirts can we sell and you know how can we turn this into a Twitter handle and you know that kind of a thing. So yeah. Yeah. Well, this was, this was very enlightening. You've given me a lot to think about. I, um, a few, a few ideas for if I ever get back into the audition chair. Um, but most of all, I'm glad to see that someone else is out there doing good work and, and keeping it real and, and just doing the work. Just, like to me is just going out there and doing what you love to do, which is, you know, storytelling and filmmaking. 
Um, yeah, just trying to be in it any shape or form that I can. You know, whether I, you know, if I'm doing what I'm doing, if I, when I'm writing something, producing something, acting in something, predominantly I'd want to be a full-time actor, but I realized that that's not always the case. So I found a way to stay working in it, you know? That's really the real secret, right? Because, yeah. because there are so many, um, you know, it's kind of like a double-edged sword. Because it's so much easier to make films now because of access to technology, it's also like a dearth of, con of of stuff out there and it just makes it like if you can't rise to the top it, it you know it, it makes it a little bit harder to rise to the top now but um i think all good stuff eventually be seen where it should be seen so yeah i tell you, I tell you what i've got a good little a good little saying i guess we're wrapping up i've got a good little saying for you and it's this most people aim low and hit so why not aim high and miss? Because <laughs> you're going to yeah. end up somewhere in the middle, right? Somewhere in the middle and somewhere where um, you you may graze the top. <laughs> you may graze. Oh, oh no, unless we aim high, right? So right. I'm always I'm always up high, man. <laughs> up high. Aim high and work your way down. Okay, I like I like that. Why? I mean. What do you, always, my favorite my my favorite thing to tell people like um, when I do these shows and I'm having meetings about like who who I can get on different shows and you know someone will say oh well, let's get Ava DuVernay okay they're like no I was joking I'm like seriously let's try I'm like what all she's gonna do is say no that's it. And if she yep. says no, she, we move on. That's it. It's, it's you're not. She's not going to end your life. She's not going to take your job or you, you know bankrupt you. She's she's going to say I don't have time or I or, or not answer one of the two. So I, I'm like you. I aim high. I have nothing. I, I'm not afraid of the word no. I'm I'm so so not afraid of the word no. I've heard it a lot. So, so yeah. you know, we're familiar. <laughs> <laughs> I think most of the time. <laughs> Well, uh, singers, this was fantastic. Um, when your when into uh, when your film is out and and people can see it um, in the theaters, please let me know. Or if you want to come back and and share your experiences being at the festivals and all that stuff, would love to come. I'll talk to you anytime you want. Lovely, love to. Um, thank you so much for being on the podcast, everyone. Uh, you can follow us uh, on um, Instagram here. Where is it? Uh, there you go. And uh, where is it not showing up? There you go. Um, <laughs> come up. And uh, this was another episode of Drop the Mic. Thank you so much for being again. Please come back anytime you like. Thanks, everybody. Talk to you soon. <laughs>